I want to draw some things because I love drawing. So um, today I actually don't have any study notes. I have a gift. And so can we pass out the gift? Yeah, just pass the bucket. It's actually a... I want you to grab one of these. It's, it's Legos. It's a Lego piece. Don't grab... There's not, it's not a set, so don't take the whole thing. Pick your favorite Lego and take it, and I'll explain later. It actually was the beginning of a Lego business that I was going to do because my friend said he made a lot of money in it, and I haven't made any money on it. And I'm getting really frustrated with Legos right now. I gave my kid a whole Lego room. And they're not taking care of it. So we had a come-to-Jesus meeting because I think my sorting system was too complex for them. Maybe. I mean, it was sorted by type and color and size and... I mean, it was a 10 process. I don't know why they couldn't figure it out. It was intense, but Legos are intense. Um, back when I was a kid, we had two buckets of Legos, you know, or maybe one bucket of Legos, and I was fine. And all I built was like a house, and it always kind of looked the same, or a car. But now, like, Legos have gone insane, you know? Like, Star Wars plus Lego is, my mind is blown. And uh, so it's been fun to journey with that with our kids. Uh, and so grab a piece, just whichever one thinks resembles your life. I don't know. Think of something. Don't get too deep on it. Where'd my piece go? Oh, there it is. I have a Lego piece too. All right. Okay, so we've been journeying through this process together. And for some of you, this might not feel like normal church, where I come and have a couple of words of encouragement and bless you all. Have a great day. I'll see you next week. Um, no, that's not what we're doing here. What we're doing here is we're setting some infrastructure to, to have a new expressions of the church, to really create a movement of not just one gathering of believers, but multiple gatherings of believers all over our city that are going to impact the world. All right. That's what we're going to do. Okay? We're going to start with night and day prayer, and then we're going to do night and day missions in our city. But before we do that, <laughs> we need to figure out this idea of church and what it means, because my heart is, I don't want to just do what we've always done because that's how we've always done it. I want to do what the Lord has for us. And so we have to analyze and look and see, Lord, what have you said, called the church to be? What did you design it to be? What's the purpose of it? And not just the theory of that, but now practically, how do we start moving forward in it? How do we do that today? And so we're spending these weeks going through what we're calling who we are as the church but really, this is going to be a groundwork for us to not just talk about it and move on to another series. We're going to start doing it and practicing it, okay? So if this is a place that you want to just come to and hear a message and then leave and come back next week and hear a message, there's, this is not going to be your favorite place. And so because we're, we're really wanting to activate the body of Christ into new, on, into new roads of ministry. And so my encouragement to you is, I'm not going to, this is not part of my message, but look up scripturally what the church is. You can go to BibleGateway.com. You can go to there's BlueLetterBible.com. Type in the word church. And just look it up. What did Jesus say the church was? Um, church comes from this word ecclesia. And it was always an assembly, a gathering of believers. Um, but see what Jesus said about it. What you'll be surprised is Jesus really talked about the church very little. Most of what he talked about was this idea of the kingdom. And his message was a kingdom message. And he said, the kingdom of heaven is advancing. The kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom of heaven is within you. And so Jesus was way more concerned with the kingdom than he was. But he was concerned with the church, but he was looking at the kingdom, who the kingdom is. But I want us to dive into who the church was. And so you'll see that in, um, a couple times in the New Testament. 
in the book of Acts. It talks about the church a lot. And so I would encourage you to read the entire book of Acts um, for fun or just do it because I asked you to do it. Um, and then in, Galatia, in um, all of Paul's letters, look at what he referenced the church as. What was he talking about? What were the instructions? So um, most of the time, the church was referenced to an, a region. You know, it said the church in this city, the church in this region. Um, a lot of times it said the church in this person's house, the church that meets in them, who they are, and there was a name, and there was a gathering of people associated with that. Um, so look up the word church. Also, read Revelation 2 and 3, okay? Chapter 2 and 3, because I don't want us to look at what church is in the, in the book of Acts, because the book of Acts describes the church, okay? We were talking about this the other day over breakfast. The book of Acts was the description of the church, the early church. Um, and it talks about what they did in Acts 2. It said that they were started to gather daily. They started to break bread in their homes. They would meet in the temple, in the temple courts. They would meet in their homes. They would break bread. They would have teaching, prayer. They shared with each other. There was, there was dynamic nature of the church. And then it keeps going in the book of Acts. Acts 4, it talks about them really getting to the spirit of generosity. And I shared that this morning, I think, during prayer time, that, there, that Acts 4, it says the church was one in heart and mind. They were one in heart and mind. There was no needy among them, but everyone had, and there was generosity. And so um, the book of Acts is really a good place to, to figure out what the church is, but it's, it's descriptive. It's not prescriptive. Does that make sense? When I think of something that's prescriptive, I think of a medication, right? And you have to follow that or else you get very sick. Um, but there's a prescription, and it says, if you do this, you'll get this result, right? Are you following me? Um, and so I, I feel like the tension of church is, we like to have the church be something that we can be described of what it is. And so we come into a place like this, and someone say, just tell me what to do. What should I do? And uh, uh, I can give you some advice. But I don't want to prescribe to you what the Lord is asking you to do and what he's asking us to do. Because the book of Acts is a description of the church. And so it talks about what the church did as the church was alive and as it was flourishing and as it changed and formed. We have to be careful to take some things that were descriptive in Scripture and make a prescription out of it. And say, well, this is how it described it, therefore we have to do this, right? But we can take Jesus' commands and follow those commands, right? So we got to be careful to take the things that kind of happened that Jesus never talked about, really, and say, okay, this is the method we're going to use to plant churches, um, because Jesus didn't really talk about church as much as he talked about this idea of being a disciple and following him. But I want you to read that, and I want you to read Revelation 2 and 3 because it was warnings to the church. And so these are actually words that Jesus spoke about what they were doing. And each warning is like, he has some positive things he says about them, some more positive than others. Then he has some warnings and so I feel like for each of those in Revelation, we can look at those, and I want to look at those as a, as a body to say, okay, what was he warning us about? What are those things, and how do we be careful of those today? Because a lot of those warnings are very timeless. And there was, yes, a specific word for that region, but um, a lot of the warnings were applicable, I think, if you look at it and to say, yeah, we need to be careful of that too. Um, so whenever Jesus warns you about something, we should be careful on that. So last week, we talked about the idea of church as a family. And I want to dive into that a little more um, because I think that can, there can be some confusion in that. Okay, so we're going to, church as a family. I'm going to draw like five different things today, and I'm not going to draw too low because I always get stuck drawing too low. Um, 
Last week, we talked about a church being a family. We talked about uh, the idea that the family has individual members of it, right? And so a lot of families, I'll just put that right here, members. And it, as a member, we talked about a church, or we talked about members of a family are in different stages of life, right? Some are, I'll just say the baby phase, some are in the child phase, some are the adult phase, right? And so a family is made up of multiple members, B, C, A. You guys got it? Baby, child, adult. So some members are younger than others, some are older, and that's what makes up a family. And we talked about an immediate family, and then as our family grows, there's an extended family, and then there's um, our relatives. And if anyone has ever studied family trees, it's amazing to see kind of where we came from, where we're going, the dynamic nature. We were doing Ancestry.com, you know, with our family, and... um, and you hear stories and you hear history. So we're all from a family. We were literally birthed by a mom and dad and their story and their story and their story. So now that's who we are and that's who we carry. But what's different between a member of a family and, if you want to say, a member of the church? Because last week I talked about babies and I'm like, you guys might be confused what I'm talking about. Um, what makes us, you know, part of his family? And as I look at this, there was a very clear word that, that Jesus gave, and, uh, and that word, like I said before, was this idea of being a disciple. Jesus was passionate about this idea of, of being a disciple. Um, and so we have to be careful in, in the church world, or in our world, to think of just because we have a lot of people means we're all a family, right? Because we can gather together and do a lot of different things, and I think I used to get frustrated in that. That's a gathering, Okay. And because we meet at a certain location, then that makes us a family. No, it really doesn't make us a family. It makes us a group of people that meets together at a certain location. And, you know, and so, so in my mind, a lot of times in the church world that I was in, I thought, okay, well, let's take, the, let's take this big gathering and let's try to, like, make disciples out of this gathering. Let's see people grow. And so then we have a big gathering and then we say, let's encourage smaller gatherings. And then we have, like you know, a men's group, or we have a young adult group, young adult, young people, I'll call it. You have high school, you know, you have women's group. So you're kind of trying to, I was always trying to like search and fish for like, let's go deeper, let's go more intentional, and then let's get into smaller things, because everyone wants to be a disciple, right? And I was always trying to get people into smaller environments and kind of like push that, you know, and so we did huge campaigns, And I was always, and at the end of the day, I'm just being very honest with you, I was very frustrated, very, very, very frustrated, because I felt like, why aren't the people here going into here? And because I feel like, in my mind, I was going at it backwards, and I I think we have to be careful to assume that because we're associated in certain environments, by osmosis, that makes us a disciple, (laughs) Right? So I want us to think of the idea of church is really broken down to the strength. I feel like the strength of a church is the strength of the individual members of the church. Just like the strength of a family is really based off of the individual components of the family, right? And if you think of your family and you say, is your family healthy or not, what goes to your mind, right? An individual person that's not healthy. (laughs) So if we say our family's struggling right now, it's because this person's struggling, Right? Not really the whole family, but this person's struggling. And if that person got healthy, then I think the family would be doing better, right? And, and so as we look at this, what brings us into, into Jesus' family? What makes us 
a new baby in Jesus. It's that we choose to be a disciple, right? Choose to be a disciple. And so Jesus' method for building families, building the family of God, was to make disciples. And I was reading about this in, in Matthew, you know, and I see this tension of the crowds in Jesus' life versus the few. Um, I'm going to actually mark. I'm going to read that. I'm not putting any scriptures up today because I'm going all over the place. So just reference Math, Mark 1, 2, and 3 and look it up later. Um, it says in Mark 1, Mark is like those, the gospel that's like very, it's like the cliff note version of everything Jesus did. Mark just like, he doesn't waste any time. He gives like not a lot of description either. But Jesus' ministry really started um, in Mark 1.16. It says, as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. And then the story goes, and, and the tension of the story is, Jesus started calling individuals, and he said this idea of, come follow me, come follow me, right? Come and follow me. And we called these guys, he called out the disciples, Right? And that's who they were. And, and disciples in those days, they had a rabbi who was the teacher. And, and so they understood the idea of disciple. A lot of times in our culture, we, we don't really understand that outside of the church context. We just, we say, yeah, we like disciples. We should be disciples. We do discipleship. But the, the, the view of Jesus' discipleship was an individual that decided to follow Jesus. An individual that left something. And it says there, some of them, it said they left their nets and their father, you know. Mark 1.19, it's this picture of guys who literally were fishermen by trade. That was not just something they did for fun. It was their life. It was their craft. It was what they were going to do as their profession. It was their livelihood, right? Those nets were going to be their nets. <laughs> their father was training them for a life of being a fisherman. But yet, Jesus said, I want you to follow me here. And they had to make a choice, right? Am I going to stay in my life, my life, or am I going to go into his life? And I love that picture. That's an awesome picture of something. They just left it all, and they went, and they followed him. And so Jesus started building disciples who followed him. And in Mark 6, 3, 4, or sorry, Mark 3.14, it says this. It says, 3.13, it says, He went up to a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. And before that, you see this tension in Jesus' life because he started choosing people to be his disciples. But they said that there was a large crowd that got around him. And there's a crowd that followed him. And it always says that Jesus actually was choosing. He had to make a choice between the crowd and the individuals, you know? And it said that he always would withdraw from the crowds and go be with the disciples. So Jesus himself was thinking about the few people. He was thinking about John. He was thinking about Simon. He was thinking about Peter. And he called them disciples. And then later on, as Jesus, um, before he um, ascended, before he died and ascended to heaven, and before he went to sit at the right hand of Father in, um, I think it's Matthew 28, 18 to 20, his instructions to his disciples were this. All authority in heaven and earth have been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. Like, that's what he called his disciples to do. 
was to go make disciples. He didn't say, okay, guys, here's the structure for how church is going to work. I want you to do this, follow this method. He said, go make disciples. Bye. <laughs> I'm going to give you a helper, the Holy Spirit. That's what he said. So if Jesus left them with such very small instructions that were very clear, I think that's a good place for us to start, right? And I'm not even looking at the whole church. I think that's a good place for us to start in our lives, is are we a disciple? Are we a disciple? And so um, Jesus told Nicodemus in John 3, he said, you can't enter the kingdom until you're born again. You're born once of the flesh, and then you're born once of the spirit. And so I believe that to be part of God's family is not by osmosis. It's not by just attending something. It's not by associating yourself with something. Because here we can become members of something. And we have to be careful because we can be a member of a Christian organization for a long time. But that doesn't make us a disciple, right? And there's a warning that Jesus always gave, gave numerous times. And he said a lot of times that many, many will say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do this? Lord, Lord, didn't we do that? Lord, Lord. And he said, no, I never knew you, right? And I can just imagine, I've, I've heard so many teachers talk about that, that literally, can you think of the horror on their face of those people, like as Jesus gave that story? And I don't want to be one of those that like was around God and he doesn't know me, right? So I want, to, I want my life and I believe our lives need to be pinpointed into this idea, okay, he wants us to be a disciple. How do we become a disciple? How do we do this? And so um, I'm going to draw another triangle because it's fun. Um, being a disciple is something we have to choose to do. We have to leave our lives. We have to lay down our life. He said, if anyone chooses to carry their cross and follow me, unless they do that, you're not going to be a disciple. So it's not about just becoming a member or associating ourselves with something that's Christian or God-related. It's literally a call to lay down our life, right, and follow Jesus. That's it. We have to learn to follow Jesus, be near him, be with him, right? And that's the idea of accepting Jesus is we're laying down our own life our own way to do it it says the gospel says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God right Romans 3:23. that our life no matter how great it was naturally it missed the mark with God therefore the wages of sin we deserve death we deserve death but the gift of God is eternal life through his cross that's why he paid the punishment on the cross to give us life to give us forgiveness to allow us to enter into this brand new life and so when we say yes to Jesus and we confess our sins, we're throwing off our old life and we're receiving his life. And it says we're born again, not of flesh, but now of spirit. That there's a new life in us. And it says the spirit will be a deposit in us and our spirit will be made new. And so becoming a disciple is not just associating closer to Jesus. It's literally a full surrender. It's a full surrender. And it has to start there. It has to start with a full surrender. And so that's what these guys did. It said they left their nets and then they started joining with Jesus. And there's a lot of different ideas of what a disciple is. I'm just going to give you three quick ideas of what makes a, someone a disciple of Jesus. Um, because I was processing this with a handful of people, some of you guys I was processing with for years here. Um, but I felt like a disciple had three qualities. And those qualities I just, just make as a very, it kind of gets into birth, child, adult, but I'm just going to call it no be go, okay? No be go. So, disciples, they were one who knew God. It says John 17, 3. This is eternal life that they may know him. This is the purpose of our life that they may know him. The disciples knew him. They knew Jesus. It said that when Jesus called the disciples, the first thing he did is said, come with me. 
I want you to know me. I want you to spend time with me. And so the disciples knew Jesus. And whenever Jesus challenged the members or the Pharisees, he challenged them with that idea that you might know the word, it might be in your heart, but yet your hearts are far from me, right? You read it because you want to study it, but you're not with me. You're looking for me. You're actually, I'm the one you should follow. And so disciples were close to Jesus. That was actually the mark of the disciples in the book of Acts. It said they were unschooled, ordinary men, but they took note that they had been with Jesus, right? And so a disciple is one who knows him, knows him intimately. When I say no, I don't just mean head knowledge. I mean an intimate knowledge, knowing who he is, knowing his person, knowing his nature, hearing his voice, right? But also disciples knew, they knew the scripture too. So it's not just that we follow our heart and say, I follow Jesus, but they knew who he was in their heart, and they also knew who he was biblically, scripturally, right? They weren't following um, in ignorantly, but they were following in faith, but they were also following, understanding that this is the God who was talked about throughout scripture, right? But they knew him, and what they knew of him, they didn't just stop at the knowledge point. They went from knowledge to letting God change them. And that's the word be, is not just to be one who knows about God, knows about a certain topic, right? But, no, but has allowed that to transform you. And so this, this be is, whatever I learn about Jesus, how can I let that transform me, right? The little bit I know, the little bit I learn, and that's why I feel like sometimes we can get burned out with Bible studies because we've been learning about him. But unless it goes to like a heart transformation, then the more knowledge we have actually can weigh us down. And gets us heavy. And then if we separate our hearts from our heads, then we actually are very dangerous. <laughs> because we can outsmart our own obedience. We can, we can convince other people, oh yeah, I know, I know, I've been, oh, I've been part of that forever. I've been part of that forever. I don't care how long you've been part of it. Are you obeying what you know? Right? So we got to, well, maybe I'm talking to myself, talk less and obey, you know. We got to work on this. So Romans 12 too, be transformed with the renewing of your mind, Right? Be transformed. Let that happen. Um, Romans 8, 29, it says, He who he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, Jesus. So there's this picture that before God formed us, he actually sees us to be transformed into his image. And this is part of the disciple process is what we know him, we're obeying, and that obedience is transforming us, right? And that's the B. And then as we're being transformed, then we go, Right? So Jesus took his disciples down a path. They walked with him. They knew him. And they had to follow him. There were some hard things. Not all of them did that. Some of them left. But then he got to this spot where he said, I want you to now go. Go, go out. Go where, Lord? I don't know. Just go into... And then there's kind of three ways he says to go. One, uh, math, Mark 16, 15. He says, go into all the world. Go. And the disciples literally would go to town. One time he sent him out to villages, and he just said, okay, go out. You don't know anyone there, but I want you to go proclaim my name. And so there's a call of not just keeping it internal, but letting it affect other people in our life. Are you following me? Because I've seen some groups of people that they, they either are just knowledge or they're just kind of a holiness thing, and, and they, don't, they actually don't want the world, they don't want to associate with the world anymore. They kind of set themselves off from the world, right? And it kind of smells after a while. <laughs> You know, it smells of separation in an unhealthy separation. We're called to be separate from the world in our thinking and our mindset, but then we're called to be back right back in the world and be the light of the world and the salt of the earth. You know, we're called to, to go and to impact the world where anywhere, anywhere you live. 
Then we're called to go and make more disciples. Okay? I know you're not going to be able to read this. I really apologize. Um, Matthew 28, I think 18 through 20. We're called to go make more disciples. So as we're a disciple, we're called to make disciples. And then we're called, Ephesians 2.20, says we're God's workmanship. We're created to do good works. And when I think about this is I think about each one of us that, yes, we're called to just go and share Jesus with everyone, but there's actually a unique purpose and work for each one of you guys. There's a unique part of the body that you are. There's a unique workman. The Lord formed you uniquely, right? We're not all formed to have the same thing, but there's uniqueness, and he wants us to discover that our long-term gifting and our calling and our passions and our hearts. And so this is what disciples did. It said they knew him, they followed him, they obeyed, then they went out, and after they went out, guess what they did? They came back to him. And sometimes we get stuck here. We have like missions movements or people who are really involved in ministry and they get burned out and they wonder why they're burned out. Well, it's because they've been going. And that's why sometimes I, you know, when I started here, I was like, this is a season of decommitment. Stop doing all this stuff. Because we can go and then we forget to know him. So if we, we got to keep this balance, right? This is like spiritual breathing of a disciple. We know him. We follow him. We go out and then we come back and then we follow him. We go out and we come back. Are you guys following me? This is a disciple, and, and, and that, that's where a disciple is really one. If you look at this, uh, the center of a disciple is Jesus, okay? If you want to know really what a disciple is, a disciple is put Jesus in the center of their life, right? And this is where it can get confusing in the church world because there's a lot of people who are part of certain things, and I'm not blaming any organization at all. It's just human nature, right? And... We can, I'm going to draw like a little other, actually I'll put it upside down. I'll do an upside down triangle. There we go. And then Jesus is like part of the triangle, right? So is the Seahawks. <laughs> and so is the Olympics. Well, maybe this is my triangle. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but like in the center of their triangle might be their job, right? Might be their family. Might be their career, right? Jesus is part of it. They might be a member of a Jesus church, but Jesus is part of it, and that's not a disciple. And I feel like when we think of the church and when we think of the, the components of a church, we have to get back to the foundation of each one of us living not just for Jesus, but Jesus as the center, and we're walking with him. Are you following me? This is the foundation of it. Make disciples. And then what I've noticed, though, is Jesus never made disciples in isolation. He never did. He never said, okay, I'm going to call Peter, and Peter and I are going to go hang out for three years. And then Peter's done with his discipleship, and now John, come on. No. Here's the messy part, but it's also the fun part. He called disciples to be with Jesus and be with each other. Right? He said, I want you to be with him. And so imagine these guys, 12 of them from different walks of life. Some of them were brothers. I'll give you that. But they're like journeying with Jesus now. <laughs> and they're also hanging out with each other. How did you get here? <laughs> I was fishing. I don't even know. I don't even know really what I'm doing right now. All I know is my nets are gone, and I left everything. What were you doing? I was a tax collector, right? I was, or I was following John. I was, you know what I'm saying? And there, there was this dynamic that Jesus was building that I believe was intentional the way Jesus did it, but it could have felt very unintentional and also very frustrating to his disciples. Like, oh, he called you too? <laughs> you know? <laughs> Cute. I thought I was the only one. There's more, Jesus. I thought it was just my, you know? And, but there's a powerful thing. Here we go back to my drawing board. Um, 
if this is your life, right, and Jesus is the center of your life, and Jesus is the center of this person's life, when you start connecting to each other, right, when you meet someone who is surrendered to Jesus, and you're like here, you know, like the story with Greg, he's leaving it to come here. Why? I don't know. Here I am. I'm kind of doing that too. I don't know. I, I thought I was going to be playing football or doing something. Here I am, right? And there's a strength that happens that I believe is the building blocks of the church is the strength of disciples walking with each other, disciples learning to love each other, disciples learning to, to encourage each other. Because now not, Jesus is not just the center of their life. Jesus is the center of this fellowship. He's the center of this thing, right? And you can, make, you can have groups of friends that have a center of whatever, right? They can have the center of, well, I'll just say Seahawks, right? Seahawks watch parties. You can have the center fellowship of, give me another topic, working out. Working out, yeah, that's fun. Center of multi-level marketing. <laughs> but um, this is where I got frustrated in my walk with Jesus early on because I, my center at that time was football. And I had a lot of friends that were, they were football guys too, and I was like, hey, let's all live together. Let's get a house. We had a house with nine guys. And it was fun, but I got frustrated because I felt like Jesus wasn't the center of our house. Like, he wasn't even the center of all of their lives. And I wasn't trying to judge them, but I was really at a phase where I was vulnerable. And I wanted to grow with him, you know? And so then I was just frustrated, and I was almost blaming them because I was like, well, no, actually, it's my fault. I was assuming that they were disciples, and they weren't. So I still love them, and I still am friends with them, but I needed people who would do this thing with. I needed people that I would, like, be with. And so there were a couple other people on our campus that were all, like, really following Jesus at that time. One of them was a guy named Dog, a football player, 300 pounds, had blue hair. Didn't really make out what he said, but he was surrendered to Jesus. Um, another guy was this guy, Patrick, and he was, like, a military guy. And he would wear military clothes almost every day, you know, which was kind of weird. I never didn't own military stuff at all. But he really was, like, passionate about Jesus. And another guy was a musician, and another guy was an artist, another guy was from Vashon Island. Um, I just say that because Vashon is awesome. Um, but, but literally, somehow we got connected, and it was, like, the most amazing thing because I was finally part of a, a small group of people that were, they were centered on Jesus, and that's what we were focused on. And that became the center of our relationship. They didn't even care that I played football or not. I don't know if they went to the games, you know? I don't know. But, and I didn't go to their music concerts, and they did, I didn't go to their military parades, but we hung out with Jesus. Sorry. And it was amazing, and it brought so much growth and fruit, and it was, it was like every time we got together, there was a dynamic, there was a synergy that happened, right? And as we did that, we couldn't help it, but we started to see the Lord connecting us with other people, and other people who wanted to be disciples. And all of a sudden, each of us had guys who were wanting to follow Jesus. And there was this idea of it just started growing out of this place of surrender and then also like fellow, true fellowship with each other. Does that make sense? True community. True like we're in it with each other. When you're struggling, I'm struggling. Right? When you're succeeding, I'm succeeding. We pray for each other. And I mean, they literally they did travel to my, one of my football games. And they literally were like, let's pray the night before. And they literally flew across the country, and didn't care about the game, but they were, like, praying for, Lord, we want you to be glorified tomorrow, you know? Like, and those are the guys, actually, now, I really am still connected with. Those are my brothers, 
in my heart, my sisters, you know? Um, and I just can't imagine that these guys that Jesus walked with, like Jesus was unintentionally building them together. So guess what happened? Jesus left, and he said, you guys go make disciples. <laughs> and he left. <laughs> so now these 12 started making disciples. Was there a form? Was there a plan? Well, no, they just kind of were around Jesus, and they did what he did to them, and they started doing it to other people, right? And it said that the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And I'm sharing that with you guys because I really feel like the health of the body of Christ is the health of the individual members of the body of Christ. It is each person. Like, as one part suffers, we suffer, right? And then it's the health of our connections with each other. It's the health of our encouragement, right? And I, my concern and is I feel like there's a lot of people that are connected. And it doesn't even have to be a big thing. It could be a small thing. It could be a really small thing. There's three people in there. Um, you can be associated with something that you go to, but you don't have that connection. Does that make sense? You don't have that encouragement, so there's loneliness. You're struggling with stuff, right? And in that situation, a lot of times our religious mindset will play tricks with us and will make us put on another out outfit or a persona when we get into those other environments. But then in our real life, we're not really doing it, right? And so the health of the body of Christ is the health of the individual members of the body of Christ, right? So um, then I was thinking to myself, I'm like, well, yeah, we really need to learn how to care for each other, like the body. And as I think about this drawing, oh, man, I have no room. <laughs> I'll go down here. Baby, child, adult, okay. Um, last week I said that the babies inherently need more nurturing, right? They need more care. Children need more instruction, and they need to learn how to share. <laughs> and adults need more application. Go out and get a job. And they need to learn how to contribute. So... The bottom line of the, is this is, wherever we're at in our life, some of us could be 60 years old and still be a baby spiritually. And guess what? That's amazing. That is unbelievable. That is the best. That's a miracle, actually. And I love that. And I feel like there's a lot of times we think it's because of how many years we've been associated with something. I love Greg's story because they were associated for a long time. But there's a certain time about 15 years ago, they became a baby again. And that's when life started for them. And Jesus said, unless we become like little children, we can't enter the kingdom of God. So you know what's amazing is when we have the courage to admit that we're a baby and we need care and we need support and we need someone to walk with me, okay? Because if our hearts get hard and we assume or we think people, oh, people view me as a spiritual adult, then guess what? We're deceiving ourselves and we're hindering the movement of the spirit. And you know what I feel like even for this body, which is going to be a crazy thing to say is... We're literally all babies in this body right now. We are doing something we've never done before. We're connected with people we don't really know very well. We're moving in a new way. And if we come in with our ideas of what we've done before and how adult we are, we're going to miss out on this amazing process of growing together and growing in Jesus. Does that make sense? So I believe there's a season of us to learn how to be all like little children <laughs> and also to admit that when, where we need care and nurture. 
So I was like, yeah, we need to care for each other. But then I was reminded of a quote my grandfather had. And I'm almost done, believe me. Um, he said this thing. He said, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care, right? And I really feel like there's this picture in our lives of you can't really care for each other unless you know each other. Unless you know each other, right? Because we can go somewhere, but we really don't know each other. And so I feel like the first step for us as a community is us, first of all, making a decision to become a disciple. And then I would say just starting to get to know each other and to see, Lord, who are the other disciples here that I feel like I'm connected with? Are you following that? Who are those people? And I'm not going to, this isn't a plan of like, okay, we're going to start 10 small groups and each of you get into your zip code, go, become best friends, right? I'm not going to do that because I did that for a long time and it got tiring, a lot of organization. And it didn't bear a lot of fruit, actually. Um, But you know what I think and I found in my life is, I kind of feel like our life is like this Lego. Everyone pull out your Lego, okay? Each of us has a certain amount of connections on it, right? Some more than others, okay? I don't know what you got. I have weight. And I love Legos because you can take them together, you can put them apart, right? And I've met some people this week, and they, they told me, they're like, Chad, I really want to grow. I need to be vulnerable with someone. And he goes, my problem is I'm around people all the time. And I was thinking about his Lego brick. And if you think of your Lego brick like connections, that each of us has a limited amount of connections, right? We have a limited amount. This is actually a lot. Does anyone have like a three by three, three by two? Okay. And you guys all got good Legos. You can have, oh, man. But some of us can try to fill each little peg with a one-by-one Lego brick. And one-by-one is how many holes there are in it, okay? Just for those who are non-Lego aficionados. So we can spread ourselves super thin. And we can connect with a million people, right? And this guy was saying, I'm connected everywhere socially, but I'm not connected anywhere in a way of growing together. And so I was challenging him, like, you got to discern which of these environments are you're meant to grow in, right? Jesus didn't fill everything with one person. Jesus chose, if you think of it like a two-by-two block or a three-by-three, he chose smaller, more quality, intentional connections with people. And he valued that. And I believe we are very limited in how many people we can really grow with. And I want to encourage you, you don't have to grow with everyone. You can't. It's impossible. But you can grow with some people, and the Lord might already be drawing you to connect with people. And I feel like even in this community, it's been awesome. I heard some of you guys just this week, they're like, hey, I want to go hang out. Let's go have dinner, or let's go to coffee. And what I sense that is, is I sense what the Lord's doing even in this place is he's building connections or reconnections to each other, okay? And I would really encourage you, if the Lord's drawing you to connect with someone, here's what you do, okay? I'm not giving you a Bible study. Don't do a Bible study. Actually, don't do it right now. I'm telling you. Don't do a Bible study right now. (laughs) Don't look at me weird. Seriously. Because we want to go do the no stuff. We want to go do all the study. No, we got to know each other, okay? Hang out with each other and just say, what's your story? What's your story? Where are you from? Okay? Go out to dinner. Go to coffee. Hang out here. What's your story? Who are you? You know? Who are you? Ask them their story, okay? And maybe one week you hear, you could do two groups of two or three, you know, hey, let's have you share your story or you share, you know. But I'm not saying just give me your Cliff Note version, like really tell me where you've come from. Because as we share our stories, that's how we know each other. And that's how we get to build that. So I'm not asking you to find people to become best friends for life with, but I'm saying that there's an important part right now as the Lord's building this body and even preparing us to build more people into the kingdom, 
The disciples of God have to, have to connect with each other and grow together and learn to share and encourage. And I'm giving you permission. If there's people here that are not part of this fellowship, guess what? Jesus sees one church in the city. So if there's someone that you feel like, oh, yeah, I feel like really close with this person and I haven't been intentional with, like, I would say rekindle that connection. Are you following me? Rekindle that connection. Because I really see what we're going to do. It doesn't matter what church you're at. But brothers and sisters that are connected with each other and grow together, right? Because we can be very social and have very little encouragement in our life. And so I would say, let's find encouragement. Just say, who? Let's get to know each other, right? Go do that. Um, and then I would also say for this brick, there's going to be people that you feel like, I can't stay as connected with right now. This is not healthy for me. This is not encouraging me to be a disciple, okay? I would say discern what connections are good but not the best right now, okay? Because I feel like good is the enemy of great. And Jesus was very careful to, to continue to, to very, be very specific of who he called and who he spent time with. He was intentional. And I would just say discern what your time is spent doing right now, okay? Because we can waste a lot of time. For example, I have a smartphone, and I waste a lot of time on it. And I went to the Apple store to try to get a dumb phone, and they didn't have one that was very good. So Michelle was like, why don't you delete all your apps? I was like, that's a good idea. So for me, I'm trying to cut out time that I waste. And I want to be more intentional in connections. Because I really believe that as these connections happen, oh, and then the last thing I would say is, make sure to not fill all your connections right now. Leave space for the Lord to open the door for other people, right? It could be the people you work with. It could be the people you live by. Um, be careful of getting so busy that you don't have flex time <laughs> for open opportunities. Because let's say you're connected with five people that you're like, we're going to be disciples. We're walking together. We're going to grow together in Jesus. And then someone comes and says, hey, I need to grow in Jesus, you know? You're like, ah, I've got my group. Jesus had a way of kind of still always, there was always an opening. Are you following me? You know, and I think of David, you know, David and Jim right now. I was thinking of you, David, because David's an awesome guy. I'm just talking as a family. But like, um, awesome guy, loves prayer, and hung out with Jim. And then Jim's like, come on, let's go together. And now they're like hanging out and they're growing together. I'm like, I love it. Jim has a lot of connections, but yet he's left his life open for more intentional connections. And David took a risk of saying, all right, I'm going with him, right? And it seems like a positive thing. <laughs> um, but I just feel like in this season, in this place, may the Lord help us build together as a body, right? We need it. We need it, okay? I, I really am concerned about each other in our own lives that you can get very spiritual and very lonely. And you can have struggles. And I don't want to see any part suffer in this body. I don't. Okay? I don't care about reaching other people unless we take care of each other. We have to, because the world is hard. <laughs> and there's not a lot of other people that are wanting to be disciples. But we can't do the care thing unless we start knowing each other and opening up our lives a little bit. So don't force it. Don't feel like I'm saying, Chad has to, I'm connect. Don't, don't ever say, hey, Chad said I had to connect with you, so let's go talk. <laughs> no, there's no grid for it. Just do it as you feel led. But I just believe this is the time that we're, we're preparing our lives to be encouragement disciples with each other okay so father we thank you that you lord what you called the disciples to do 2,000 years ago what you challenged them to do to make disciples you're challenging us to do to be a disciple and to make disciples and i pray that we will learn to do that help us to know you help us to obey you help us to go where you're calling us to go i pray lord god you prepare us teach us i pray for each one of us that we will be like little children again open to your words, open to your instruction, open to obey you. 
And then also open to opportunities as you say, go, go. So we pray for that, Lord. Help us to do that. I just submit this Lego brick to you. And I submit the connections that we have, Lord, in our lives. I pray you help us to see who are you drawing us to? How can you connect us as the body of Christ? How can you connect your church in the city? I pray for strong connections. I pray for supportive connections. And I pray, Lord God, that you will build your church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. It's a promise, and we say yes and amen. So help us to do that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.